What is up? It's the 3 and D podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. Joining me, as always, is Benjamin P. Hogan. Hey, man. Uh, you have a good Father's Day. I know uh, this is our first time we've really talked since Sunday. It's your first Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, my wife surprised me with a round of golf. I saw shot in the 100s, so it was a <laughs> miserably hot and <laughs> terrible round of golf, but it's still enjoyable for some reason. Because, look, hole 17, all three of us are out there. We're about to die from a heat stroke and because we're not hydrating. You know, we've got our Miller Lights, and we're on hole 17. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And all three of us, it's a par three. We're playing at North Creek in South Haven. Okay. And – the par three hole 17, all three of us put it within five feet of the green on the tee shot. And it's just those kind of shots. You're like, oh, hey, I can do this. I'll come back next time and spend 40 more dollars on something that I'm terrible at. Exactly. And it's always on the last few holes because sometimes you're like, man, I, I'm really getting it now. I, I want to play another 18 or I want to play another nine. And it, it never works out that way. And North Creek eats all my, like, <laughs> eats so many balls when I go out there. I got to go out there with, like, basically a new pack of 12 – 12 balls, 12, 15 balls, because I'm going to lose most of them. I went out there with a Walmart bag full of balls, and I'm pretty sure I came back with none. Yeah. I, I think I got, to, I got to one hole, and I just said, you know what? It's the end of the day. I just started swinging. Ten, <laughs> just a little tin cup action, you know? Oh, yeah. You'll get it up there eventually. Yeah, so it was your first Father's Day, too. Y'all do anything special? Uh, we went out to eat for breakfast with uh, with my dad and uh my wife's stepdad we did that and uh just spent some time at home i got to watch golf and basketball on the big tv downstairs so that was a win so no <laughs> normally i gotta go upstairs and you know go into the our man cave or my man cave i guess and on sunday i was able to take over the den and kind of just relax sit in the recliner and uh just chill on a sunday which nowadays as you know it's it's rare just chilling oh, on Sunday, yes. always something. So we were we were following the game two of Phoenix and Clippers. Did you get to watch the last ninety seconds, which was also the last thirty three minutes of that game? No, I was I was actually asleep, uh, but I heard about it. It was all over Twitter. Uh, of course, I saw the game winning uh, dunk by Aiton, which was incredible. But I, I heard about the uh, the review. And the five reviews there was yes. as many field goal attempts as there were reviews at the end of the game i uh i don't know about that but it seems i'd rather them get it right it, it does kind of it slows the game down i get it but you're not doing anything else so you're not waiting there's one game on I'm going to ask you this. I want your opinion on it. Do you think that the players generally genuinely did not know the rule? about the inbound pass, or were they just really desperately hoping the referees would get it wrong so the basket didn't count? Like, the the Clippers were calling for it to be goaltending. I'm like, there wasn't a shot. Like, you're you're yeah. throwing a pass in from out of bounds. There's no possible way for it to be goaltending. Do you think that, like, they were trapped in the moment and just it slipped their mind, or is that, like, a such an obscure rule that barely ever happens that they just didn't know it? I think that's an obscure rule uh, because I saw Tyson Chandler tweet about it, which funny, he's the one that he, they did the same shot against the Grizzlies a few years back. Tyson Chandler had uh, scored the game winner uh, with a similar play. And he tweeted that uh, Jay Triano, uh, their coach was talking about obscure rules and just talking basketball. And he threw it out there that, 
hey, there's no goaltending on an inbounds play. And they didn't know that until we brought it up. So I think it's one of those type of things that it's such an obscure rule that unless you study the rule book, you probably don't know that. Or it comes up like it did in this game. I don't think it's ever going to be forgotten now. It's going to be one of those things that everybody's going to know that no goaltending on inbounds plays. But a regular season game between the Suns and Grizzlies, I mean, no one's really paying attention to that. I'll be honest right. with you. So before we before we jump into the Grizzlies, how about the um, the arc for Paul George just in that one game where he was the hero for hitting the game winner, then he goes and misses both free throws, which cost him the game. Yeah. What what do you I don't how do you recover from that mentally? I th- Paul George's been through so much. I think he's fine. I think he's one of those that's able to turn it off. I, I, I think that Clippers have fallen down two games to none in both their series and come back to win. So I think they're fine. So a transition point would be Paul George and Joe Molinax braved the Twitterverse uh, with his defense of trading for Paul George. Do, do you think the narratives around, you know, should the Grizzlies trade for Paul George or Ben Simmons and these guys that struggle in the playoffs and people are saying no, do you not think it's idiotic for somebody to say no to Ben Simmons or Paul George coming to the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, I, I think everybody has just gone way too far the other way when it comes to these two players. I mean, Paul George has proven it right now. These Clippers are succeeding without Kawhi Leonard. I know they're down two games to none to Phoenix. Phoenix is a really good team. Even without Chris Paul, I mean, Cameron Payne's shown that he's he's a baller and he's deserves to be in the league and he's going to get a nice contract after the after this season. And with Ben Simmons, I think it's a mental thing with him. I don't, I don't think the confidence is there, but the skill level, the skills, they're still there. I mean, he's a number one, he's number one pick. He's I, I just don't understand why people all of a sudden are just off the train on him. Like just throw him away. He's a role player. I had a friend, you know, text me saying, yeah, Grizzlies should trade for him. And, you know, he'd be great coming off the bench. I'm like, what are you talking about? You trade for Ben Simmons. He's starting for you. I don't, I don't, not a, as a point guard, but you find a spot in that starting lineup. He's a playmaker and you want to have as many playmakers on the court as possible. Yeah. I, for me, imagine him at the four and Jaron at the five. And make a Kyle Anderson. Oh, yeah. and I mean, I, I don't know. There's other ways to describe him, obviously, but he's going to give you a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a lot, a lot more than what Kyle Anderson's giving you. And we saw what Kyle did at the four. Except for the three-point shooting, obviously. Well, but who's yeah. to say that that yeah. won't come at some point? Like, he needs to change the scenery. I think a small market would actually be better for Ben Simmons, um, where he's not constantly under a microscope. Um, but – I don't, I don't think the Grizzlies are taking that big of a swing this year. No. Uh, so let, let's, yeah, they should let, trade for him. Let's could. jump for <laughs> let's jump to the preseason and um, the focus of today's episode. Looking at just kind of where different places and different people had the Grizzlies uh, in their preseason predictions, and I'll kick it off with ESPN had the Grizzlies. Um, the average win uh, prediction was thirty six. Um, and the playoff percentage was 39%. Um, so the projection called for them to have a better winning percentage than last year. Um, they called for them to be a 500 team. 
um, this year and, and finished 10th in the league, which is one off from where they actually finished the regular season. And then of course they won the play in and, and got in. So um, ESPN did pretty well there. Um, what I see on 538 is uh, about a 27% chance in the preseason to make the playoffs. I mean, it's funny because they have a make the playoffs graph line and then they have a win the finals graph line. And the win the finals graph line is just a straight horizontal line all the way across <laughs> at, at 0%. Kind of harsh. Fair um, enough. It's fair. I, I think it's so. And so I'm looking, then I'll get some um, betting odds on um, Bleacher Report. I know you've got some that you've got pulled up. Uh, they had the Grizzlies at a plus 15,000 on the. Um, odds to win the title, which is nuts because the Knicks were a plus 50,000. They missed that one pretty bad. I I think a lot of people probably did, but, uh, and then they had the Grizzlies at a 31 and a half as their over under on a win total, which they beat that by six and a half. Um, So which ones did you find? I had Vegas insider. Uh, This was, I mean, this is the Vegas odds on win win total for before the season started. And they were at 30 and a half wins, which they exceeded those. And uh, most of the ones that I saw, I, I looked at Sporting News. I also looked at Forbes. I looked at a few different ones as well as the ones you did. And the majority of them had the Grizzlies between, I guess, about 30 wins and 36 wins. And for the most part, they were between 9 and 11 finish in the, uh, in the West. So I guess it's safe to say that the Grizzlies overachieved this season Uh, in the eyes of everybody, maybe except some of their fans, which is, which is funny, but I guess as the season rolled along, your expectations got bigger because you saw what they could do. You saw them beat some of the elite teams in the league, but for the most part, they overachieved. And it's funny. If you go back and look at the predictions, the Spurs were a team that a lot of people underestimated and the Pelicans were the team that a lot of people really overestimated. Those are the two teams that I think were kind of in and out, like they replace each other. Of course, everybody picked the Lakers to win, and we know what happened with that, injuries and uh, all that. And I think some people weren't as high on the Suns as other people, but I think they, with how they finished in the bubble last year and the addition of Chris Paul, I think a lot of people – were able to buy into the Suns this year. But for the most part, it was the Spurs and Pelicans were the two teams that flip-flopped in the predictions of whether or not they would be in the play-in game or not. Yeah, and it looks like the Suns were pretty widely predicted to have no more than about the same amount of wins the Grizzlies have this year. Um, But they finished with 51. Um, And then you look at the Rockets were up there, but that's when they still had James Harden. Um, The Warriors... Those were probably, you know, you don't know where they were, but Clay Thompson on that um, and if he would come back. And then um, I remember listening to the mismatch with Vernon and uh, Kevin O'Connor. O'Connor had the Grizzlies out of the top 10 in the West and uh, Verno had them in. Um, and I think I flirted between the seven and nine range pretty um, regularly with them in the preseason um, just because I, I just – felt like they were only going to get better from what they were last year, which they did. Um, here's two player 
ones that I saw from nbaanalysis.net. Um, the first one is DeAnthony Melton solidifies himself as a Grizzlies sixth man. What do you think about that one? Uh, he showed flashes of it. He, he makes everybody want him to be the Grizzlies sixth man. I mean, there's still talk about it this offseason leading into next season about if DeAnthony Melton, you know, gets more playing time, he could be the Grizzlies sixth man. He could compete for sixth man of the year. So I think we took a step closer to him becoming that, but I don't think he made the leap to become that quite yet. Yeah, I don't think he's quite there, um, but he's he's he could be. Like you said, he's shown the flashes that he could be there. The other one that they had on uh, there was Brandon Clark related, and they predicted that he would have a huge role for the team, and he struggled mightily, and that seemed to, to not be the case. No, um, I did the my Grizzly Bear Blues player review on Brandon Clark, and I was surprised when I looked at the numbers of he wasn't as bad as I thought he was because what the eye test and what I remember was he was kind of a failure this season for the Grizzlies, and I think maybe it's because we all had high expectations, and for him to become that, and he felt like he was untouchable, or he was the third piece, you know, Jaron, Ja, Brandon Clark. Those are three guys that are going to be the core of what the Grizzlies build around. And I think that built him up and built the expectations up. Whereas he was a solid player. I mean, guys that were playing the same role as he was uh, on teams, uh, Danilo Gallinari, Brandon Clark was a similar player to him. I mean, that production off the bench, starting some games, coming off the bench the majority of the games, he was as good as players that had been in the league for 10 plus years. And he was better than guys that have been in the league about the same amount of time he has. So I think he's still a step ahead when it comes to coming off guys that coming off the bench. He's still a key part of the Grizzlies rotation, but no, he, he was not a key part of, he's a key part of the rotation, but he wasn't what people expected him to be this season. Do you think that Tillman tricked Grizzlies fans out of believing in Brandon Clark? Like, with with the play that he had, people believed that Brandon Clark was, I guess, more expendable or uh, less valuable or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is did Tillman blind us to the reality of Brandon Clark and the fact that he did have some health issues, that his historic rookie season as far as efficiency is pretty difficult to repeat, considering the fact that it was historic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that, and I think a lot of people looked at what decisions were made down the stretch where Brandon Clark was getting DNPs, coach decisions. Tillman was playing over him, and Tillman didn't necessarily struggle. And when you're kind of looking at it where it felt like it was Tillman or Clark, and Tillman's getting in the game and he's playing well. And then Clark gets in the game and doesn't really make that much of an impact as people clamoring for Tillman. I don't think, I know Parker Fleming wrote about it last month. It's not, it shouldn't be either or. Uh, they play well together. They can play together. And I don't know if that's part of the data accumulation to where we may see more of that in the upcoming season. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to what exactly, what kind of data was accumulated, what kind of data is going to be used for the future. Uh, is it more towards lineups? Is it more towards, you know, better fit? I don't know what the data accumulation is going to show and how that's going to result in the next season. But I do think 
a lot of it had to do with, yeah, like you said, Tillman uh, playing well down the stretch and kind of made it seem like, well, Tillman's going to be playing the spot that Clark should have been playing. So we get the right offer, you know, ship Clark away. And I don't necessarily think that, I think that's a knee jerk reaction. Yeah, I agree. So one of the staples at Grizzly Bear Blues is roundtables. And I have located the 2020-2021 season preview part one, one that you participated in with the captain, Joe Mullinax, and Parker Fleming, Greg Ratliff, and Lauren Harvey. Uh, here's a question that I want to look at. What is more likely, Dylan Brooks averaging four-plus assists or Jaron Jackson averaging eight-plus rebounds? Neither one of those happened. No. So here's my question. In their careers, will either one of those happen? I think Jaron could. 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 Average eight rebounds. I don't think Dylan's going to average four assists ever. But he could. Will he, though? No. No. (laughs) I'll say yes. Jaron will average eight-plus rebounds in his career. At least once. At least once. The opportunity is going to be there. His minutes are going to increase. Is he going to play 20 games and get hurt? And in those 20 games, he had eight rebounds? (laughs) Minimum, (laughs) Minimum 50 games played. How about that? Okay, okay, okay. That makes it a little more less likely, but still, a uh, minimum of 50 games played. I, I think it, it'll, it'll be done. I don't necessarily think it'll be this year, but it, it'll be it'll be done. I think Dylan Brooks has kind of solidified his role as he's a gunner. He's going to shoot. He's not going to be – he's not looking to pass it off. Yay. If you, if you can rein him in a little bit, it'll be fine. Ah uh, well, if he if playoff Dylan Brooks is a Dylan Brooks that we get next season, then I sign, I will sign you up. Sign me up for that Dylan. Don't sign me up for the island, but sign me up for that <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> the next question that y'all had was um, expectations for Anderson, Allen, and Melton to fill in for Justice and Jaron. I'm not going to get into the answers, but I'll ask you this: Do you think they did a good job? Or did they exceed, you think, your expectations for filling in for Justice and Jaron? Uh, yeah, seeing what Justice and Jaron did when they came back, I wanted more of Melton Anderson and Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> when that happens, that means they did a heck of a job filling in for those two guys. So, yeah, they, they did a fine job. They did better than I expected. Uh, all three of them did. Uh, they did their parts. I wish Melton had a little bit more. Uh, he did it in spurts. But he came out of his funk when he needed to in the playoffs. And unfortunately, you know, it didn't result in a win, but still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they did. I think, you know, getting to see what Kyle did after a, a healthy offseason, he – we've talked about it before. He's, he's valuable to this team. Uh, I think Grayson helped some trade stock um, if we ever were to use him as a piece to move. Um, DeAnthony Milton, as we mentioned earlier, he, I mean, he went from what 28% shooting from three to 40. Um, I had him as my player review on the season and there was no player on any of these teams left in the NBA playoffs that per 36 averaged the numbers that D'Anthony Melton averages. And based on bench scoring, rebounding and defense, he's a top 10 guard off the bench in the NBA. Um, so he is extremely valuable. Um, 
for sure. The part two of the round table was the one that I participated in. Um, and it asked if Ja was more likely to make an all-star team or justice play for 40 games. Neither one of them happened. Um, but going forward, I still think it may be more likely that, that Jaws an all-star before justice plays 40 games. That's, uh, I think that's true as well. Well, how about 40 games for the Grizzlies? Because by the all-star break, he could be gone and Ja could be playing over the all-star break. So that'll be interesting to see this year. Yeah, so the other question they asked was about what's the absolute most you'd like to see Memphis be willing to part with in a realistic trade, and who would you give that package up for? So listen to these. Molinax wants to give up Gorgie Jane, Grayson Allen, and a first-round pick for Zach Levine. Don't think that was going to happen. No. Um, All I said was just move Gorgie – for an expiring as an expiring deal for an asset and call it a day. Bryce Hayes said we should not give up Jaw Jaron or Clark. And then if you can acquire Buddy Hield or Bradley Bill um, for a bargain, you're all for it. You could probably get Buddy Hield for a bargain. You're not getting Bradley Bill for a bargain. At least they're not going to think that. But do you want Buddy Hield? I mean, he's one of the few guys and that's averaged is around top 50 in the league that shot worse than Dylan Brooks. And then doesn't offer the defense. So, right. no, I don't want Buddy Hill. No. And then Ed Memphis wants to give up DeAnthony Melton, and Dylan Brooks, and Tyus Jones, and the first-round pick for Zach Levine. Um, so, it seems like there's some love for Zach to come to Memphis. That's an awful lot. He, he says you only offer Dylan Brooks if they don't want DeAnthony Melton. So it wasn't Melton and Brooks and Tyus. It was one of the two, Melton okay. or Brooks, for, for Tyus. I, I don't think there's any scenario where Memphis can get rid of both DeAnthony and Dylan Brooks. Um, no. and, I, and I think you've got to have two of the three of DeAnthony, Dylan, and Kyle Anderson going forward. Yeah, and also, I mean, I, I I think all those trades you're underpaying for Zach Levine because of how he – I mean, he played very well. He was really good this season. And uh, it's kind of funny because, I mean, you were probably the closest one to anything that actually happened because they just got rid of Gorgie. They didn't get anything in return, but got rid of him. Hey, they did that man wrong. <laughs> and he unfortunately ended up in the team that – they did him wrong twice. They just let him go, and then they eliminated him. He would have been so helpful in that Utah series. Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing the Clippers be – yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I think the Grizzlies, I don't think they could get rid of uh, DeAnthony or Dylan. I, I think most likely it's Grayson if they get rid of somebody in the offseason. That seems most likely. I think that helps out everybody, honestly. Uh it opens up a little more playing time for all for Brooks, Bain, Melton. I think Brooks and Bain would be starters, and Melton could turn into that six man off the bench for you. That's the ideal yep. situation, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I agree. Start start Bain, um, even though his numbers don't look good as a starter. No, he's um, better coming off the bench, but I think Melton is the guy that he can get you buckets quick off the bench and he plays good defense 
So if, if you need to put him into the starting lineup or give him more minutes than Bain because of defensive matchups, you can do that. So what you're saying is either Valanciunas is gone or on the bench or Kyle Anderson's on the bench. Yeah. Which one is it? I don't have to say. <laughs> I think I think Valanciunas is gone. I hate to say I love Jonas. I love Jonas, but I, I just – he's either gone or off the bench. I don't see – I don't think that he's going to be starting next year. You think Taylor Jenkins has those kind of kahunas to sit a dude that could eat him for lunch? I don't know. He might smash a guitar over his head. That was a nice one. That's a good form on that swing. Hey, look, that when, I, when I saw that video, I was like, this dude has emotions? Like, Yeah. I have not seen an emotion come out of that man the entire season. And it that all is, came out in one moment. Dude, he was jacked up after that. I was not expecting that out of that guy. No, I wasn't either. I was, I was not either. Um, I don't know if Jenkins does, but if the right offer is made, I don't know what that offer is. But so right now we're in a in a reactionary, really era of humankind, right? With all the the flaws of Ben Simmons in the playoffs being on display, Paul George is Valanciunas a playoff big? I don't. I don't think he is. I don't. We we saw that he wasn't really. I mean, you look at it now, and I don't know because he's the Doc AD, Rivers. He's the Doc Rivers of NBA players. He's good for eighty-two games, but then you put him in the sixteen-game series, he can't help you. That's that's true. I don't know. It's frustrating to admit it, but I love Jonas. Oh, I do too. You know I do. I'm I'm the president yeah. of the JV Hive, but like I know. Well, I mean, I think like in a span of two weeks, me and you both wrote articles about like you wrote about exactly how underrated he was, and I wrote about you know similar something similar to it, but like he just he got exposed. In the so, so did Gobert. Yeah. Jazz fans still. He's so overrated. That man is going to make $46 million at the end of his contract in one year. Jazz fans still won't admit it. Like, they're still like, oh, whatever. They, they also <laughs> won't admit they're racist either. Well, that, that's true. I saw, <laughs> saw a, jazz, a jazz writer call out uh, the Suns because, you know, they're hyping up Suns and Four Guy, and then there was a big fight, and they issued an apology, and I saw a jazz – beat writer call out the jet uh call out the suns i'm like who are you to call out any fan base yeah who are you yeah. to call out any, any <laughs> fan base? Like, i mean y'all were y'all went after morant's family like you might want to sit this one out dude like, <laughs> you don't have to comment on everything in the nba oh man well what, what are your thoughts on that do you think Jonas is back I think he's back unless you get some package where you're sending Valanciunas a 17th pick, Grayson Allen, and you're trading up in the draft or something like that. He's an expiring deal. That may be a situation that comes into play. But you're at the point now where the Grizzlies were like, you're not just shipping out expiring contracts. Like, you're competing. You're contending. And he's a good player. So, like, you're not going to just take back a bad contract in exchange for – him being an expiring. Um, so I, I think he's back. I think I'll put it like this. I think there's a greater chance that he's back than 
uh, he's not. If I was forced to life or death say whether he is, I, I don't know if I could because I just don't know. The front office here stays pretty quiet. Like you don't – Kleiman does a good job of working in the quiet. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to trade Jonas like a lot of people were during the season. I'm not trying to trade him. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't here next season. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I would agree. I, I would be I would not be surprised if he wasn't. But I, unless Jaron puts on about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, he's not ready to be a full-time five. No, that's true, too. And I don't know. I don't know what to think of Jaron just because he shoots way too many threes. He let him fly, didn't he? Yeah. And he wasn't making him. I'll give him an offseason being healthy, just like we gave Kyle Anderson. If yep. he's still jacking six threes and he's only hitting one of them, then that's a different conversation you got to have at that point. Yeah. I, I just think Ja, this team will, no matter what, they're going to just go as far as Ja can take them. It'd be great if Jaron steps up to the potential that we've seen before. But he does got, he's, He's got to put on some muscle. He's got to rebound. He's got to make the threes that he's shooting. Or Jenkins has got to tell him, hey, I have a short leash with him. If he goes yeah. in, shoots four or five threes in the first quarter, he can't do that unless he's making them. Right. Well, I think the consensus would be that according to uh, media, you know, national, local, um, probably in probably everybody except the team themselves, they overachieved um, this year. They, they tell you that uh, they had those expectations themselves probably from the beginning to make the playoffs and compete. Um, I think the team overcame the front office and the coaching staff at times um, with their data accumulation period, especially when they were sitting ties in favor of justice. Um, you know, I, I think they definitely, they, I mean, all the, the the predictions that were on paper as far as over under on win total, they they beat those anywhere from seven wins to you know two. Nobody predicted them to have thirty eight wins. Nobody predicted them really to be in the in the top eight where they ended up as the eight seed. Um, so based on that, they overachieved, and I don't think you can logically say that this season was a disappointment in any manner. No, and just remember that these predictions and all this stuff was made back in December when everybody thought Jaron was going to be back before the All-Star break. January, yeah. Yeah, January. I mean, because that's kind of how it felt. And he didn't come back till what, the end of March? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. So all those predictions were made thinking that. So if you take that into context with all this, they way overachieved. Oh, yeah. Because and if everybody knew that he wasn't coming back till March or April, it would probably been like in the 25 20s. to 30 wins. Yeah. Yep. And they'd been 12. They'd been in the lottery. Every single prediction would have been in the lottery. How about all the East teams being the top of the lottery? Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness Golden State wasn't sitting there 1-2 or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was... What, 7-14? Yeah, there's – Yeah. So the next episode will be in two weeks. Um, so between now and then, we'll have um, an NBA Finals matchup. 
and uh, we'll be inching closer. We'll probably have some uh, draft profiles starting to go up on Grizzly Bear Blues. I got a name for you. You need to go look him up. EJ Onu. I see you talking about him. The (laughs) the longest wingspan in the draft. His hands are the same size as Kawhi Leonard's. Shoots 40% from three, 57% from the field. Average 16 and eight in four blocks. At least if he's not drafted, put him on your summer league roster. The kid is going to be good. All right. I'll look him up in the next two weeks. I'll go look at some film. Him and the kid from um, St. Joe's. I think his name is Jordan. I forgot his last name. Kid from St. Joe's. He's like a Kyle Anderson mix. He's, I think he's 6'9". He's got that 10, 5, and 5 stat line. Um, whereas, you know, Kyle's the 15, 5, and 5 guy. He was 10, 5, and 5 in college. I mean, his shooting percentages were lower than you'd like, but he's young. Um, I think he's a still in the late half of the draft as, as well. It kind of seems to be a kind of guy that the Grizzlies uh, look for because not only did he get five rebounds and five assists per game, I think he averages over a steal per game as well. Um, so just some guys that aren't on the radar, I think, that should be. All right. I looked those guys up. All right. Anything you want to throw out there before we close it up? Nah, man. Uh, enjoy your summer or enjoy your next two weeks. I know you're, uh, you're still moving a little bit. So, uh, yeah, good luck on that. Living out of boxes. If you're listening yeah. to this, it's not too late to sign up for 612 camps. 612camps.com. Look them up on Facebook, 612 camp. I am, one of, I am the shooting coach at 612 camp. Uh, we are hosting them at Covenant Church in Cordova and Hope Presbyterian Church. We have a, a camp date there. It's a four-day camp. Sign up. It's the cheapest basketball camp in the city. Good coaches. It's got a Christ-centered focus on it. Um, come check us out. Sign up. That's my plug. What about Open Gym with Nate Chester? <laughs> I'm not advertising that crap. <laughs> Oh yeah, Trinity is Trinity in Cordova. It's Cordova, right? I believe so. Yeah, so Trinity Church in Cordova. Nate Chester's a youth pastor out there. He's opened up the gym on Friday nights, and he's welcoming challenges. I guess he's having he's hogging the court for one on one to to feed his ego. Uh, <laughs> so contact Nate Chester on uh, was it was it Big Nate Chester twenty four on Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think we don't follow each other. <laughs> Full disclosure, we don't follow each other on Twitter. <laughs> I think y'all should. Y'all are all staff together. <laughs> Anyways, we do need to have a GBB, like, open gym run where we're all out there. and need to get some type of run, period. Embarrassing ourselves. Well, we, you need to get on the phone with John Martin and tell him that GBB wants to challenge 92.9 to a game. He's got to find five out there. Oh, Connor Dunning. Yeah. And then who else? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. He could figure it out. Brad? No, no, Jason can't play. Jason might play. Giannato. Giannato might. I don't um, know if Jeffrey will. GP's like always doing something. GP yeah. will get out there. He took on the ribs. Hasseltine would count as 92-9, but. Oh, Hasseltine, yeah. I mean, I played pickup with it. Yeah. Hasseltine's a bulldog out there. I believe it. It's like a little bowling ball. Oh, he's 
he's aggressive and he's he's good. So oh, I believe he is. But if, if you if you start bringing in Hasseltine, then you got to bring in EP, and we don't want Elliot Perry on their team. Oh no, he does not qualify. <laughs> he didn't count. <laughs> Him or uh, Hank can't bring in Hank either. Bennett might come in. Yeah, Bennett might play. Anyways, anybody nine two nine, if you listen to this, we challenge you to a five on five duel for the right to be the least embarrassed. All right, Ben, I appreciate you. Have a good couple of weeks. Um, enjoy the finals. Enjoy the, the finals. Enjoy the basketball that we got left because the off season's coming and summer league's coming, and uh, we'll be we'll be starting it over pretty quick. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, it's been another episode of the Three in the Pod.